And we're coming to uh, listen to God's words now. Thank you also to Philippa, who's recorded our Bible reading this morning. That's going to be taken from Acts chapter 11 and verses 19 to 26. I'm going to hand over to Philippa to bring us that reading now. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 26. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Thank you, Philippa, and it's great to welcome Beth with us this morning. Beth is our regional minister, and I guess, uh, Beth, your role has changed a lot over the past year or so. Beth does the same job for us that, that Mark went to do uh, when he moved to South Wales. So we look forward to hearing what you've got to say to us, Beth. Let me just pray for you. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's a living word that speaks to us day by day. And we thank you for uh, what you'll say to us through Beth this morning. I ask that you will give us ears to listen. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's really good to be with you here this morning. Uh, thank you, Alan, for that welcome. And yes, like everybody else, my life has changed dramatically in the last year. I now don't uh, travel thousands and thousands of miles, but spend much time um, sitting at a computer instead. So here we have before us the passage in Acts. And uh, I think reading this passage, we actually stand on a bit, of a bit of a precipice. What will God do next? What will the believers do next? You see, in the run-up to, uh, to verse 19 in Acts 11, it's a bit like you've been watching your favourite box set on TV or a series you've been following through, like The Line of Duty or something like that, and you've come to the end of one of the episodes and you've been left with the, what? They can't leave it like that? As the, as the credits scroll up. What on earth is going to happen next? Let me explain what I mean about the context of the passage we've just read. You see, earlier in chapter 11, Peter re reports back to the church in Jerusalem what had happened when he was in Joppa and at uh, the home of a Gentile. 
and he'd gone to Cornelius's house, hadn't he, after he'd had the vision on the roof. Well, this is a catalytic moment in the life of the church because what we find out in, in chapter, in verse 19 of what we've just read is what were the Christians were doing or the followers of Jesus were doing was they spoke the word to no one except the Jews. But Peter's vision on the rooftop in Joppa and the subsequent conversion of Cornelius and his family in chapter 10 was all about reaching the Gentiles. Here is our precipice. So in the passage we have before us today, we begin to see the outworking of Peter's obedience to God's vision and how through that and the persecution which had begun when the followers and believers scattered, we read about at the beginning of chapter 8, the message had been enlarged for all. But notice verse 18, just before our passage, and the really pivotal statement of the believers in Jerusalem had said of Peter's account, then God has given even the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. This is the cliffhanger moment. This is the what will God do next then? And then we come to our passage where the good news is beginning to explode to the Gentiles in a place called Antioch. So we have a map, because if you're anything like me, you wouldn't know where Antioch was in Syria. And Antioch was a cultural crossroads of trade and people at the time. And it was a key place. And we're talking about the Antioch in Syria, not Antioch in Pisidia, which is mentioned in chapter 13. That Antioch is in central Turkey. This Antioch was a great, thriving, cosmopolitan city on the coast. A place almost anybody that was anybody passed through, whether by land or by sea. It was here that there was a massive crossing place of cultures. And here, the mission of God to the Gentiles begins to explode. So, what does this passage and these events which took place in this ancient world, in this distant place and culture, have to do with us today sitting in a pandemic in 2021? Well, I've got three questions for us to consider. The first is, what would it take for you to go? You see, the thing which scattered the believers and took them outside of Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria was persecution. Fear drove them out. They already lived under Roman occupation, but now these Jews who'd become followers of Jesus were no longer welcome in their own home. And in fact, their life was in danger, and so they scattered. It was after the stoning of Stephen. By contrast, Peter, was called to go to the untouchable people, the Gentiles, because God had told him to. He went because of obedience. And this kind of reminds me of Abraham's call, which we have recounted in Hebrews 11.8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. 
God had said to him, go, because he wanted to establish his people. Jesus said to his disciples, if you recall, go. Jesus said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That had been and is the Great Commission, isn't it? They had been told to go to all nations, but so far they had only gone to the Jews. God had to make them uncomfortable. And that happened in a fairly dramatic way with the persecution. And so here we are with Peter having had his vision, the Jews in Jerusalem deciding the gospel is now open to the Gentiles. And here we have this situation in Antioch. But first, I just want to tell you a little bit of a story. Lynn Green, who's the General Secretary of the Baptist Union, at a meeting I was at about a month ago, shared a bit of a story um, of what happened with her in lockdown. You see, at the beginning of lockdown, she took up cycling, not being very fit by her own admission or very geographical, she made sure she took a map with her. However, the whole of the OS map was too big to take on her bike, so she decided there was probably a circle which was within reach of her home, so she cut out that bit of the map. That's what she felt was achievable. That's what she thought she could do. Well, nine, ten months on, you can guess what's happened. The map's not big enough because she's got fitter and she's able to go further. She'd made her circle of reach actually too small. Likewise, the early believers had made their circle of reach too small. Jesus had said, go into all nations go to the ends of the earth. But thus far, their circle of reach had been too small. God pushed them further in quite a dramatic way. So here they are then, in Antioch. Still, according to verse 19, only telling Jews about Jesus. But then come along two unknown disciples from Cyprus and Cyrene, they didn't know about the unspoken rule of only tell the Jews, it seems, because they began to share Jesus with the Greeks, the Gentiles. And we're told in verse 21, a great number became believers. There are two things here which are the same and yet different. The early believers went and continued to talk about Jesus to those who were like them. The others spoke about Jesus to anyone that would listen. The similarity is that they both went and spoke about Jesus. The difference is one confined their circle of reach and the other had no boundaries. What about you and I then? Are we prepared to go and speak about Jesus wherever we are? We're having our world shaken from under our feet. It is uncomfortable. And for some of the, us, this has really reduced our circle of reach. And we might think, well, I can't go anywhere. But there are still people around us who are familiar to us, friends and family. For others of us, it has actually opened up our circle of reach in a different kind of way. How far is this church service reaching? Who's out there listening? Whichever it is, are we prepared to first hear the call to be obedient and actually speak of the good news of Jesus, in other words, tell our story, 
wherever we are. So my second question is, what name would you be known by? You might think this is an old slide to put up, but bear with me for a moment. From your fellow believers, what would you be known by? Or from those who don't follow your beliefs, what would they say about you? You see, right at the end of this passage, we read that it is here that the believers are first called Christians. It was a nickname. It wasn't a title or a religion. Christ was the Greek word for Messiah, meaning the anointed one or God's anointed king. The followers of Jesus were obviously speaking in such a way that they were thought of as the king's people, messianists or Christians. So the challenge to us then is, are we speaking in such a way as to be known as people of the king, King Jesus? Jesus said that we would be identified as his followers by our love. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's a challenge to us. To put it another way, what would be written on your gravestone, like these two gravestones here? Would it be a recipe for your best fudge? Or the other one which says, never killed a man that didn't deserve to be killed. Apparently he was a gun, gunslinger of the Wild West. But how are you known? Or rather, how would you like to be known? The risk is that we are keener to be liked than to represent Jesus to friends and family. But here in Acts, the imperative is to talk about Jesus. As Peter said on an earlier occasion, after he'd been released from prison and been told not to talk about Jesus, he said, we must obey God rather than human beings. And Luke recounts that they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They couldn't stop talking about Jesus. So what would be your nickname? What would be on your epitaph? Would it be she never stopped gossiping about Jesus? or a recipe for fudge. Finally, the third question I would raise with you is, are you being the person you are called to be? As we've got the million of stars in the sky, they're all shining and being actually the way that they should be. In this passage, we see some key people who are operating at the full thrust for who God has made them. Firstly, you've got the unknown men of Cyprus and Cyrene, and don't imagine white British people when we read about these people. Cyprus is in the Mediterranean. Cyrene is northern Africa. They don't look like most of you and I. These unknown disciples were in Antioch for some reason. Remember, it's the great cultural metropolis, that great crossing place. And they were obviously followers of Jesus, and we are told that the hand of the Lord was with them. They were your out-and-out -out evangelists, weren't they? Sharers of the good news, and yet they are not named. Perhaps because this was quite ordinary, and many people are operating that way, so their names have just been lost down the annals of time. But they were the people who ignited the spark in that place. Then the news reaches Jerusalem, the core that had remained there, 
that something is going on and they realize they need to know more about this. If you recall our map, Jerusalem was a long way down and Antioch was right at the top. But they send the trusted Barnabas, his name meaning son of encouragement, and as described in verse 24, a good man, full of Holy Spirit and faith. Barnabas travels all the way from Jerusalem to Antioch. He goes and he arrives, and what we learn is that he sees the grace of God at work. He could have actually quenched this unusual work of the Holy Spirit, these uncommissioned disciples reaching Gentiles who previously were outside of the circle of reach. But Barnabas had just heard about Peter's revelation and his experience, and he had the wisdom to see a fresh work of God going on and the wisdom to help to fan it into flames so that the spirit could be at work. He exhorts them to remain faithful to God with all their hearts. This is to the new Gentile converts. But Barnabas, in his wisdom, also knew that they needed some heavyweight help, is how I put it. So he travels to Tarsus. Tarsus was a short hop by boat from where Antioch was, and he goes to find Saul or Paul. Paul's gifts, as we know, were in evangelism and church planting and church growth. And we read that he and Barnabas worked together and remained there for a year. They were committed to that place and this new work of God that was going on. I think the pivotal person here to the success of this new work is Barnabas. He had the wisdom to embrace the new and creative way the Spirit was working, and he knew the resources needed for the church's survival. He knew it didn't all rest with him. So do you know who you are and who you are called to be? And most to the point, do you know who you need around you because you can't be everything to every situation? So in response to these three questions then, what would it take you to go? What name would you be known by? Are you being the person you are called to be? The Great Commission remains true for all of us, and I think how we answer these questions, if we can be really honest, helps us understand how willing or prepared we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If we're too settled, if we've reduced our circle of reach too much, we may not even hear the call to go to those who are actually waiting to hear from Jesus, from us, from you and from me. You see, the going may not mean and probably doesn't mean going to the far reaches of outer Mongolia or wherever, but rather assuming that God will equip you where you are right now to be his hands and his feet for those with whom you are in relationship. There may be a smaller proportion of us who are called to go in a bigger sense. And if we're not primarily prepared to be known as the daughters and sons of King Jesus, then we may actually care more about our reputation and what people say about us than being given the nickname Christian, follower of the king, 
and known not to be religious, but to live and breathe the life Jesus calls us to inhabit. And finally, if you are only a shadow of the person God has called you to be, the blueprint that he sees and perhaps no one else sees may be missing, and we may be missing out on the blessing of that. You may be that pivotal Barnabas or the fire starter for your town, like the the guys from Cyprus and Cyrene, or the builder of churches like Paul. If a piece of the jigsaw is missing, the work of God is unfinished and incomplete. Now, in our current setting, these challenges may feel just too much. I understand that. But possibly it is because of our current setting that we can embrace a new way of thinking and being. Remember, God had to really shake those disciples to get them to leave Jerusalem, and he shook them in a very dramatic way. So in the same way that the early followers of Jesus had to go because of persecution and being scattered, perhaps for us it's we have to rethink and recognize that life has changed and shifted beyond all understanding in the last 12 months. And that change is here to stay. So who are we in this? Where will we go in this? And who will we be known as? So to go back to the cycling analogy then, get on your bike wherever it leads. Be the cyclist you are called to be and make sure that your map, your circle of reach and your expectations of what God can do are big enough for our almighty God and for the glory of his kingdom. May God bless you as you continue to think about these things.